in private, if we have a one-on-one discussion where critical feedback surfaces, I ask that person to bring it up publicly, right? So next time we have a group discussion about it, I'm like, hey, uh, bring that up when we're in this group so that we can have that discussion and debate and other people can see what it's like to challenge me and know that I'm not going to just go off the rails, right? I'm going to embrace that feedback and find a positive way to, to engage that's not going to just shut them down. Hey y'all, I'm Chase Clemens. This is the Support Ops Hangout. This is a show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. Now we've got some of the best support pros in the business on our crew. Uh, Chase Livingston though is out this week. He's somewhere in Texas, I think. At least that was the the Instagram photo I got. But Mm -hmm. Carolyn's here from Buffer. How are you, Carolyn? Hello, I'm well. Thank you. And then uh, next up, we've got Jeff from Wistia. How are you, Jeff? I'm great. Thanks, Chase. How are you? Wait, was that AirPods that you just pulled out? Oh, you know it. The best oh. for the dog walker in you. That should be the tagline right there. I'll do my best. <laughs> I was, so Livingston's out this week, so you're our like new product person. Oh, good. Oh, great. Well, AirPods are where it's at. <laughs> Oh, and then our special guest this week, all the way from Help Scout. So for the like three of you that haven't heard of him yet, it's Nick Francis. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hey, friends. Nice to see you. Yeah. So like I said, for like the three people that doesn't know Help Scout, can you kind of tell us a little bit about uh, what it is? Yeah, we make customer support software for teams just like, you know, Buffer, Basecamp, and Wistia. And uh, we make a help desk that's, that makes it easy for you to do email support. And we also make a knowledge base uh, where you can create help docs for your, for your customers. So basically, if you're listening to the show, you should probably go check out Help Scout. So this week, we're talking about how to actively seek out feedback. You know, with support teams, we often, like our empathy leads to this kind of culture of nice. Claire from over at Know Your Company has this idea of, of basically this, this nice culture that happens when people don't openly disagree with one another. She said, employee, employees usually bite their tongue politely when they have a dissenting viewpoint. No one dares bring up a contentious topic during a meeting and everyone's a little hesitant to be seen as confrontational. And I don't know about y'all, but I've been on teams like that before. You know, we tend to hold our opinions back rather than risk any kind of confrontation or coming across as mean, for lack of a better word. But a good manager can create a culture that encourages candor and open open discussions. So Nick, I want to start with you since you're uh, a little out of our wheelhouse being a CEO. Um, you know, you're running a team of what, 60 now, something like that. 60. Yeah. So 60 people, you're remote. How do you make sure that your team is giving you real feedback and isn't just telling you what you want to hear? You know, this is one of the biggest challenges that we have as a team. Uh, it's something that we're well aware of. We've done a lot of kind of analysis of who we are, uh, personality wise as a team. Uh, we're a bunch of high integrity People that don't like to uh, argue publicly or uh, give give radical candor unless it's uh, under the right circumstances. Uh, so we we really struggle with that kind of as a team and as a remote team. I think that adds another layer of sort of challenges to being as as candid as possible or giving critical feedback simply because it's easier just not to. 
in a, in a remote team. So uh, there's several things that we, that we do to, to try and combat that. I mean, we're religious about one-on-ones and every six months uh, having a time in which we talk about really kind of taboo things uh, such as your career goals and your, your, uh, your, the way that you're paid at Help Scout and things like that. We use Know Your Company. So the mention of Claire was appropriate. We use Know Your Company to try and get that candid feedback. And that's a great tool through which they can share feedback that's only meant for you know, the founders or something like that. So there's a bunch of different channels. I learned early on that people aren't going to tell me directly uh, what, what challenges they're facing. So I, uh, I have to, to go about several different ways to, to try and generate that feedback, whether it be asynchronous or kind of through in writing, or maybe it's through other people. Uh, but we experiment with a bunch of different ways to, to try and make that stuff happen. We even do some anonymous surveys as well to try to, to try and generate that feedback. Carolyn with buffer, have you found that same kind of being remote kind of amps up this challenge a little bit? Very much so, yes, um, for two reasons. One is because um, there's just fewer opportunities. There's less casual conversation um, because of the remote aspect. Um, and two is just you don't know each other as well, um, or it takes longer to get to know each other as well. So um, it can be a lot harder to get to that point where you feel comfortable being honest with someone. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've also done sort of figured out the same thing. People don't um, necessarily uh, give feedback in, in both situations, whether you're talking about like feedback to an individual or dissenting in a room while there's a discussion going on toward a decision. Um, and those are a bit different, but, um, yeah, we've had to, we've, we've definitely had to put intentional time and energy and exercises and discussion into that because it, it hasn't solved itself naturally. Now, is that something that like the team is doing when you talk about putting intentional time and resources and all that, is there like, that the team is just doing that? Or is there like one person who on buffer is like, Hey, we want you to help make us better at this. But like, does one person own that kind of thing? Um, well, I guess you could say I sort of owned it just recently. Um, because I sort of, we read the, um, the five dysfunctions of a team a while ago. And there's this concept of artificial harmony. Um, and I just recently reread it and then like got on the war path about that. <laughs> um, so, you know, we did a lot of discussion about it at retreat, for example, and then like as a, as a whole company, um, and then within individual teams after that. And that was just in the, in the spring. So, um, yeah. And then our people team does sort of, sort of own that in the sense that, um, you know, they, for example, set it up so that everyone could take a personality test so that you could talk to your one-to-one lead or just other people in the, in the company that you work normally with about what your, um, what your personality type is. And, you know, we, we even put something in, uh, in Slack where it says like, you know, what's your preferred method of communication for feedback? And like, if some people like really hate when they get like a message ahead of time, cause they freak out and they would much rather have a conversation. And then other people much prefer to have some time to digest it and think about it and then have the conversation. So you can choose between like email me and then we'll talk about it or let's talk right away. And like, don't let any time pass in between idea and face-to-face discussion. So, you know, things like that. Jeff, how's it changed when you're all in? Like, I know Wistia is not all in one spot anymore. You've got like two spots now, but you're still in person. You know, how does it change? 
How does what change? How does how does all of this change when you're like in the same room with someone versus doing a video chat or asynchronous or anything like that? I I think it's a little bit more in your face, and there might be a little bit more of the um, the cues that you can probably miss rem- over remote. But something I think I've learned from this panel uh, is that being remote forces you to be a bit more structured about the conversations that you have. So it might actually make it harder, right? You're like, I see that person all the time. Like, I don't need to catch up with them about this stuff. Like, they will tell me, you know, we're, we're always hanging out. When in reality, you, you sometimes need to set up structured conversations to say, tell me what's going on. Um, and, and perhaps even having that physical space might actually make you a little bit more comfortable. You know, maybe you could like be taking notes or something that you maybe wouldn't do with the person in the room. I'm, not, I'm really not sure, but I'm not convinced that this is one of those things that being uh, around those people all the time makes easier. Yeah, I don't know if it was, so I think back to my deli days, I don't think it was easier when the team is all in one building. I think it was, like, it becomes more challenging to segment it, like, to put it in the right time. So if somebody, like, walks the door of wherever one day and um, you normally have a really good, like, easygoing uh, relationship with that employee and then all of a sudden they're like, uh, the way that you do this sucks and you're standing out in the middle of like the, the, a big room with like lots of people around, like that's just not the right time to do that. That doesn't really happen when you're remote. So it's like, a just, I don't know if easier, like if it was easier back when I was at the deli, but it was definitely a different set of like circumstances and situations. One of the hardest parts, I think that's what like the culture of nice is all about is that people can nod and like kind of give you some some sort of uh, like physical or body language feedback that they're in agreement with you. And then they walk out of the room and they're like, that person is an idiot and they're driving this thing into the ground. Um, <laughs> Carolyn's freaking out. Not that this happen all the time, but like when you're in person with somebody, you can come out of the room. One person can come out saying we were in total agreement, we're in lockstep. And the other person can come out of the room saying, Nope, not at all. Didn't get it. Didn't get it at all. Just wanted to be nice. Um, and so having those structured conversations um, where you, you can't maybe see the person, you have to ask somewhat stupid questions like, are we like, do you agree with this? Or can you restate like what I'm trying to do here and make sure that it makes sense to you? Um, we should probably be doing that more in person than we are. Those are those moments that my grandmother used to call bless their heart moments where it's, you're just trying to be nice and, and bite your tongue. And it's, oh, bless your heart. You know, I'm not going to say you're an idiot, but man, you're an idiot. <laughs> so that's one of, the, one of the risk factors. They say, like, if people leave meetings and immediately go to another channel to communicate, whether it's to the person who they didn't want to communicate with in front of everyone or about that person to other people. Like, if you find yourself in a situation where you leave a meeting and like everybody like starts to slack about it or whatever. Um, or they message you to be like, I didn't want to disagree with you. And, but like, I actually have some, but in the meeting, the people who were there think that the people who were there were all on board because nobody spoke up. So yeah. yeah, that's like one of the big things of artificial harmony. So Chase, uh, Jeff just touched on a really good point, which is to uh, ask pointed questions, you know, ask specific people what they specifically think about something. And a lot of times that brings out really great feedback that you wouldn't otherwise have. So I found that that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good trick is to just call on someone, see if they'll give you specific feedback to a specific question. Are you looking for anybody randomly or is it like, 
Like, like, how do you know who to pick? That depends on who's in the room, right? But uh, you're going to have a sense of who might have something to say that's just not saying it because there's six or seven people in the room or whatever it might be. And so if you ask for their opinion specifically, then, then they'll be happy to come out with it. Sometimes you just have to be direct. You know, one of the things, um, so it's, it's been a couple of months, but I read uh, Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Kim Scott? I think that's the name. Um, and they were talking about this idea of, they didn't call it a loyal opposition. It was some other phrase, and I can't remember the phrase that they used. But basically it was, if you're in a meeting and everyone is nodding along, or if you're on a thread talking asynchronously and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, this is good. This is good. Like there is one designated person that steps up and says, no, I'm the opposition. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for just a second and like play this out to, to at least put dissent into the conversation. Um, it's one of the things where when I was uh, up in Chicago learning some of the jobs to be done stuff with uh, Bob, like I would be sitting there and I would explain something. It was like, yeah, I get that. And I agree with most of it, but devil's advocate, like, here's the, like, like let's introduce some conflict in here to really hone in on the idea. And I think that's one of those things that's really valuable. Um, Nick, like you said, just calling on somebody or even like you can do this privately uh, in one-to-ones. You can like tell somebody, Hey, in the next one, like when we go into this next meeting, even if you do agree with me, like it, like, like have some sort of loyal opposition moment where you can at least start a conversation that is not, yes, Nick, we agree with you. <laughs> I think that second half is pretty critical, right? Because some personality types, they love doing that, right? They, they yeah. hate when everybody's like in agreement and they just want to ask a question or like play devil's advocate. Um, uh, and they can often feel like, they can often end up feeling like they're the, they're like the jerks. They're like the odd, the oddballs that are always causing problems. I think that you have to uh, just just set the expectation that you want to do that and that that isn't a bad thing. Like you, if you say, I just want to play devil's advocate, it's not because you have a secret hidden agenda that you really don't like the idea and you just don't want to say it. Mm-hmm. It's you're playing devil's advocate just to make sure you're thinking it all the way through or you're thinking of potential downsides down the line or something like that. It's pretty important to a culture because otherwise people can get caught up in celebrating we're all aligned um, and forget the critical evaluation part. And what comes after that is just as important. Like if someone says, I know that everybody's feeling really great about this, but I have to say this. And everybody's like, then like, Oh, well, okay. Now I've learned that I'm never going to do that again. Whereas like the person leaving the meeting or the, the the most senior person or whatever um, has, has a really critical role in that moment to reward that behavior. um, And, you know, encourage it and, and show that that's a, a valuable purchase, a part of the, of the experience of coming to a decision. So if that happens in a conversation, Carolyn, that you're, you're having with your team, like, what do you, what do you say to encourage them? So, um, I'll actually, I'll just, I'll send you the blog post that we just published on this. Of um, course, Buffer has a post about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's interesting. So if, um, on artificial harmony specifically, um, and like, you know, radical candor and things like that. Um, the, the point that they focus on is if two people in a meeting are actively discussing, not just if someone says, I just wanted to make sure that we're aware of that. Like, I think you can just reward that behavior generally. Um, but there's a couple things that you can say if two people are engaged in a conflict. And one of them is to interrupt the conflict, to remind everyone that this is healthy 
this is how we, we, you know, we're all pulling for the same thing. We have the ultimate goal, the same ultimate goal. And this is like the only way to reach a point where either everyone agrees or because somebody convinces someone else, or at least everyone can commit to the decision because they feel like all sides have been explored. Whereas if you don't voice dissent at all, then you're a lot less likely to, to believe that it's the right decision because you, you might feel like there's this other thing that hasn't even been considered. Um, so like actively saying, Hey, I'm just interrupting to say, keep going. This is great. Where this is an important part of it can be like really encouraging because otherwise there's going back to the concept of the culture of nice it can be really awkward, especially in front of other people to be like debating a point in the middle of a decision-making process. But um, depending on the personalities of the people involved and the decision, sometimes that's really useful. Nick, have you found any of those changes when you step into that conversation in your CEO role? Because that's one of those where it's really hard to push back uh, against somebody that's like a founder of the business, right? So how do you like... uh, how, how do you like encourage this kind of like opposition view when everyone's looking at you going, man, you're, you're the founder. Like you're like, you're the guy. Yeah. It's really challenging. I mean, you would think it's a, a nice thing when basically nobody ever challenges me in a meeting of more than three or three or more people, but it's actually terrible. And, uh, but I've figured out a really great hack, which is that people will tell me what they think. A lot of people, especially on our leadership team that kind of report directly to me, they'll tell me what they think. It just may not be in, in a group of people. And so the hack that I figured out is that in private, if we have a one-on-one discussion where critical feedback surfaces, I ask that person to bring it up publicly, right? So next time we have a group discussion about it, I'm like, hey, uh, bring that up when we're in this group so that we can have that discussion and debate and other people can see what it's like to challenge me and know that I'm not going to just go off the rails, right? I'm going to embrace that feedback and find a positive way to, to engage. That's not going to just shut them down. Right. So just people just need to see it. Right. So I, I do this a lot with all hands meetings because I want people to ask questions. I want them to be engaged. I want them to question the business and make the business better. But in order to do that, People have to be openly critical, right? So uh, I actually try to tee up people to ask those critical questions just so that we have time to discuss them as a team and be really open to each other. Like, especially in a leadership position, it's really hard for people to give you feedback. Um, And I just did air quotes (laughs) for those listening. Um, And so like one sort of hack for this is to say, um, do you have any advice which usually that's like a much safer way to say, yeah, I would do this, 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 and this differently. Um, but then it feels more like forward looking as opposed to you, you know, it's supposed to feedback, which can have mm-hmm. like such a heavy connotation. So that's another one. That's one. Um, so Claire was talking about it and seriously, if you're, if you're not reading through at least the know your company blog where, where Claire writes like her research and, and, um, the ideas that she presents when it comes to feedback is just, it's out of this world. Like the best source I've got uh, lately for thinking about all this kind of stuff. But she mentioned the same thing. It's, it's, you get up and um, if you get to the end of your, your idea or whatever you're laying out and then you ask, well, what feedback do people have? Nobody's going to answer that. That's 
nodding your head and yeah, that looks good. Whereas, you know, you look at somebody and go, Hey, if you were me, what advice would you have? Like, that's just, it's a totally different answer at that point, like you were saying, Carolyn. So I think there's a, there's a lot of power in um, kind of having those questions in your back pocket that you know you can pull out and go, um, all right, what advice do you have for me? And then all of a sudden it sparks that discussion. Jeff, what, what little tricks do you have like that? Just to get some like practical advice and in, in, into this show, you know, what kind of like if you're uh, you're sitting there with your team and you're going over some new idea that that Wistia is thinking about, what what things have you got in your back pocket to pull out where you can encourage that that opposition view? Uh, I I love the advice one. I'm going to steal that one. I think going back to how you reward it um, in the room, starting with like that's really great feedback is always just, just if you don't have anything else to say, that's the thing you should absolutely say. Um, and make sure that you're like writing it down or, or doing something so you can act like and think deeply about it. Um, and it's not just kind of, well, thanks for that feedback, like going in the trash. Um, <laughs> I, I think going back to something Carolyn said at the start of the show, um, some people are going to want to think a little bit more about it and then send you their feedback, like maybe in a written form, or they're going to want to draw it out and like show you where your system is broken or whatever. Um, so following, if you're really making a big proposal, maybe following it up with some, something by email or something like that, and then letting people give their feedback in some other way, comments on a doc or a long winded email that they write back to you, whatever it is, um, giving people different channels is really important. Do you put a time uh, then, limit on that? Like, is it, you know, we're going to post this up and people have like, I don't know, like three days? Yeah, us. that's a really good question. So I, I've been looking at some um, decision-making frameworks and, and tools. There are some decision-making tools that can do things like you can set a time limit, right? Because so often you set a time limit, you have to remind people about the time limit, and then you have to be like, well, that was kind of a Friday. A lot of people were out, like, maybe I'll wait. And then, but you know... <laughs> Next thing you know, it's like you can, you can never actually nail it down. Um, so looking at tools like Lumio, uh, which you can write your proposal in, set the people who are supposed to be giving you input and set a time limit, that seems really attractive to me. I'm like really excited to check that out for our next complex decision. Um, <laughs> Carolyn is excited or scared. I'm not sure. That one is excited. The last face I made that you reacted to was scared. <laughs> yeah, that was scary. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, 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 a lot of the other practical stuff is really just the stuff we talked about before that building a relationship is like the most important thing. You know, I was hearing Nick talk about people being comfortable asking those tough critical questions at all hands meetings. It's not that people are that, it's not that people are only scared about talking in front of 60 people. It's that they're talking up, they're scared of talking to Nick Francis, CEO, who is like intimidating or whatever in front of 60 people. And so if you can break that down by inviting that advice and feedback all the time and, and allowing that space, um, it's not something you can just do once and think it's going to work. It's something you have to actually work into the culture. 
Yeah, there's another one. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, like Claire is like my go-to resource on this kind of stuff. She uh, has a great article about uh, this idea that as a as a manager and as a CEO and all that, like your door is always open. Um, people can come and, and you know have these conversations with you whenever they whenever they want. When in reality, like it's it's not. That's not how it works. Like you can't just open a door and say, "All right, well, if anybody needs me, I'm going to be over here in this room." It, that that you've got to actively seek it out. You've got to give people ample opportunity where you where you actually do something where you post a, a thread up or you bring it up at an all hands or, or you you know in some way shape or form you actively put it out there and solicit feedback from from the rest of the team if it's very passive if it's just oh i've got a suggestion box it's not going to work i think you have to be careful of that my door is always open thing because then you always have to be on your best behavior like if you say i am open for like criticism and feedback at any time, then you have to, you have to behave well every time you get it. Even if you're having a tough day, even if like, you know, you're behind and like, this actually isn't a good time for you. You still have to sit down and hear it and reward it and and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I think that my doors always open thing, um, especially in person is, I'm not sure I even recommend that. You also need to back that up, right? If you say, give me feedback, like, let me know if you want to sit down and talk feedback and your calendar's booked for the next two weeks. (laughs) This is clearly not the most important thing for you. And you're not that interested in feedback. You really just want to have everybody give you thumbs up and move on. So saying something like, I just gave you this huge proposal right at the end of the meeting, and I'm going to sit right here for the next 15 minutes if people just want to sit, stare at the whiteboard and ask questions, even though we're running over. Like, even though the meeting's over, I just, in case anybody wants to stick around, as opposed to, I got to run on my next meeting, like, digest this and send me feedback. <laughs> well, the problem with the door being open is that it puts, a, it, it puts the uh, responsibility on somebody else. And the fact is, nobody ever walks in that door, ever, right? Like, your, your calendar won't fill up with feedback sessions. Just, it's not really setting the team up for success. If you're doing user research for a product, do you just tell customers, like, hey, if you have any feedback on this, you know, just just let me know. But, you know, you don't put, put it all on them. Like, you ask very specific questions and you, you try to dig in and understand uh, their use case and things like that. It's the same thing if you're trying to make your company better, you're trying to make your team better. You should ask very specific pointed questions if you want specific pointed feedback. Yeah, that's one thing that I don't think of. Like it never really clicked for me until I started working for Basecamp just because Jason and David see Basecamp as a product, but also as a company, you know, that they're building. And just like you go out, like you were saying, Nick, you go out and you say, you know, you ask those funny questions to customers to make your product better. Your company's a product. You should be doing the same kind of stuff over there. You should be paying, you should be pouring the same amount of attention and care and, um, you know, all that into your company that you are doing for your product. Um, and I would say like one last thing, like make sure your processes are, are, are not in, unintentionally influenced, I guess is a good way to put it. I was thinking about the, the suggestion box thing I mentioned. I worked for a guy one time who wanted to put out a suggestion box because they thought it would be a good idea. And for, to make it easier on him, if it was positive, uh, if it was positive reviews or feedback or whatever, you're supposed to write it on this like green card that he had by there. And if it was negative, it was a red card because like when he opened the box, he can then sort them out and it makes it easy for him to go through like the good stuff and then the bad stuff. When in reality, what happened was anybody that walked up never picked up a red card because you're picking up a red card. 
you know, and, and like putting that in the box. So something that he never even thought about until we brought it to his attention, it was a total, you know, just a slip for him. It can have big impacts. So, uh, Carolyn, I think, you know, y'all at Buffer are really good at this. When you put together a process, you make sure to get lots of different input in it to make sure those, um, you know, those unintentional biases aren't hidden in there somewhere. Mm, yeah, we've had to put processes in place because we were bad at it, but <laughs> we've gotten much better. <laughs> All right, folks, any last thoughts or anything that we didn't hit? I was just going to say, um, Nick mentioned the radical candor concept. Um, and if you haven't gotten to that book, but want to like a little bite-sized version of that, um, there's an A16Z podcast with the author of that book that um, kind of gives the, the TLDR version. That's a, a really good read. Listen, it's a really good lesson. Yeah, if you want to read, there is, I'll put that in this in the show notes. There's a first review, I think, article. First round. First round, that's what it is. I was like, it was first something, something with an R. <laughs> first round, we'll put that in the show notes too. Um, awesome. I promised Carolyn that there would be a shout out. So, again, okay, bringing back shout outs for one thing that just really needs a shout out. Um, and if you follow me on like Twitter or Facebook or in life, you've already heard about this. So sorry in advance, but um, I'm obsessed with this new app called Libby, which is, it's basically a much better version of Overdrive. Um, so if you have a library card in the US or Canada and some other places, I'm not sure where else, um, you can rent Kindle books or eBooks um, and audiobooks for free, obviously, from your local library. Um, and I personally used to find Overdrive a little bit um, clunky, but Libby is beautiful and slick and easy. So congratulations to them on a very wonderful app and um, go enjoy all your summer reads. Something I discovered that I thought was really interesting is that Libby was either made or acquired by Overdrive. Yes. I assume it was not made by Overdrive. I assume it was commissioned by Overdrive, but I could be wrong about that. Well, I like the idea of them saying, if we just made a better version of our app that's really terrible and clunky, everyone will be like, oh, great, like a new coat of paint on that POS. But if we build a brand new app with a brand new brand, then Carolyn from Buffer will go crazy over it and tell everyone, all of her friends and literally drive all referrals. Yeah, I'm like driving all referrals right now. Well, I just don't understand. Like, why am I the only one who's talking about it? It's so good. Like, why aren't I hearing about this everywhere? That is a great question. My shout out is, I have two. First one is this awesome post that I read today called uh, Create More Utori in Your Work. I will share the link for the show notes. Utori is this concept of, okay, let me see if I can remember how to describe this. It is a Japanese word that basically translates to getting to your place, uh, your destination, whether for a meeting or whatever, early enough so that you know you're early so that you can relax and like enjoy the surroundings before you have to do the thing you have to do, which is such an interesting feeling. Like if you're early to something and you can sit down with like a cup of coffee or something and just take a couple of breaths before the thing starts, it's very interesting. Um, I just found it very interesting that there was a, uh, a term specifically for this. And there's this great post that's talking about reducing busyness and focusing on the concept of Utori. Second shout out is for Nick Francis, of course. Always great to have him on the show. He can replace me anytime. <laughs> Thank you, friend. That's very nice of you. 
Can I do a couple shout outs or, or guests not allowed? All right. Uh, we're just, <laughs> just kidding. We're just doing it live. First is a double recommendation of five dysfunctions of the team. Uh, the artificial harmony thing is something that we totally identified. Becca, our head of people ops, has been pounding that drum for weeks. And it's a really great book to help you understand some of the stuff that we talked about today. So just want to double up on that. And also, we went through a peer review process maybe four or five months ago at Help Scout, where it's a really incredible process. I don't have time to go, go through all the details, but it gives anybody on the team the ability to provide anonymous feedback on various, uh, various roles and responsibilities and expertise that you have in the company. Uh, and we did it through a company called Eager Labs, E-A-G-E-R labs.com. And we were like their first ever customer. They're a very early company. But the peer review process has totally taken over. Uh, instead of like managers giving all feedback and it's just being kind of a one-way discussion, like the fact that you can get tons and tons of feedback from your peers, much of which is anonymized by the direct report that you have. Uh, it's a very cool process. And if you're, you're really into some of this radical candor stuff, like that was a great way. We got tons of gold uh, from different members of our team. So maybe worth checking out. Love that. Any other ones that we want to throw in? <laughs> uh, I've got nothing except for a dad joke, unless you want to hear that. Yes, always. Uh, yeah. So when does a joke become a dad joke? When it's a parent. That's good. <laughs> is it? Is it good? That's really good. <laughs> it yeah. is. And I will say, um, I know Father's Day was a little while ago, but NPR did dad jokes on Twitter all day for Father's Day. And it was fantastic. And everyone should go and look that up on Twitter because it was... Oh, it just, and I, okay. So one other thing real quick, I will say, um, some of you know, I have a son, Elliot, he has gotten into this habit now of he like loves books. Like we have to read five or 10 books just to go to bed every night. And I was uh, working the other day. He comes, he knocks on the door of the office and then he pushes it open and he brings my dad joke book. Somebody got it for me when I became a parent. So it's this book of like 150 different dad jokes. He pulls it in and like sets it down and he was very insistent. We have to open this and read it right now. And I had to look at it and be like, oh, soon, son, soon. So good. Send me your dad jokes. I want to hear them all. <laughs> all right. So that's it from us. Let us know how your team handles that kind of uh, uh, feedback and actively seeking out some of this radical candor that we we're talking about and that kind of, uh, you know, the, the debate that goes around all of that. Let us know. Uh, it's supportops at C. Uh, Hello at supportops.co for the email. And then we're at supportops on Twitter. Make sure you check out Nick. Uh, is there a website, Twitter? Something like that, Nick? Uh, helpscout.com, of course. There we go. There we go. on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if you're in the market for uh, any kind of email, customer support tool, knowledge base, that kind of thing, definitely check out HelpScout because we use it. I don't know if any, I don't know if y'all Yes, do. we use it. Happy customers over here. No. Wistia left us. I miss oh. it desperately. I miss. I want to say publicly and for the record, I had no part in that decision. <laughs> <laughs> we still love you, Jeff. We're no. going to be back on our homepage just to get some more signups. That's, I'm pretty sure the opposite happened. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. He was pretty great. He was great. But yeah, definitely check it out. I highly recommend it. It's got all of our thumbs up, stamp of approval if we had that and that kind of thing. So check them out. Helpscout.com, right? 
I was going to say, didn't it used to be? Yeah, we own both. It used to be. So we, it's still redirects to .net, but I tell people.com. Yeah, nice. Hubscott.com. Uh, so, yeah, thanks again for listening. And until we see you all again, we're off next week. So two weeks from now, have an awesome week. You should have a stamp of approval. approval?